May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be in always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. In 1968, Fred Rogers looked into a television camera and he spoke to the people that were on the other side of that camera, the people out in TV land. He said, would you be my neighbor? Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? I suspect most of us don't have a concept of neighbor as expansive as Fred Rogers had. We were brought up being warned not to speak to strangers. And it became difficult for us to view neighbors beyond our own neighborhood. We began to whittle down those who we considered to be our neighbors. Perhaps we just limited to people that lived on the same street that we lived on. Or maybe we considered all those who lived in the same school district to be our neighbors. Or maybe we were liberal enough to consider everybody in our zip code to be neighbor, but we certainly didn't consider everybody to be our neighbor. The lawyer in today's gospel was just about to receive an autographed attaboy from Jesus. But he blew it. And he asked, and just who is my neighbor? And so Jesus began to tell a story about a man who was beat up on his way to Jericho. The lawyer wanted to whittle down the number of people that were neighbors that he would be required to love. Tony Campolo is an American Baptist minister from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Tony has a big heart for world missions. He's worked very hard through the years to develop a canning facility in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, so that people of that impoverished land could uh, put up food for themselves to preserve it. Tony is the head of the sociology department at Eastern College in Philadelphia. He's a well-known speaker and on one occasion he was invited to speak in Honolulu, Hawaii. And you know how when you go across time zones you get all messed up and you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, that's what happened to Tony. He woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning in Honolulu and he was hungry. And so he walked out onto the dark streets of Honolulu and he found a bright light in the distance and he walked toward it. And sure enough, it was a Greasy Spoon restaurant. One of those places that has a long counter, no booths, no tables, just stools to sit on. So Tony went in and sat down and the man behind the counter had a greasy apron on and he said to Tony, what would you like to have? Tony said, well, I'd like to have a donut and a cup of coffee. And so the man 
took his hands and began to wipe them over that apron and took them out of that loose site little, you know, stand where the donuts were and put it on a plate and poured him a cup of coffee. About that time, some ladies of the evening came out and came into the restaurant in their easily identifiable evening gowns. <laughs> and they sat down on either side of Tony, Baptist minister surrounded by ladies of the evening. One of the women, Agnes, said as if to no one in particular, she said, you know, tomorrow's going to be my 39th birthday. One of the other women said, so what, Agnes, are we supposed to do, what are we supposed to do, throw a birthday party for you? And Agnes said, no, of course not, but why do you have to hurt my feelings? I just was telling you that tomorrow's my birthday. That did it. When the ladies left, Campolo said to the man behind the counter, he said, do they come in regularly? And he said, oh yeah, they, they come in every morning about three o'clock. And Campolo said to the man with the greasy apron, he said, can we throw her a birthday party for Agnes? And the man said, sure, I'll bake the cake. Now just imagine that. <laughs> So Tony Campolo the next day found a Kmart, bought crepe paper and a sign that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And they decorated the church. I mean, decorated the church. They made the <laughs> restaurant into a church. <laughs> Don't we wish churches operated this way? And they decorated it, and the man with the greasy apron baked the cake. And sure enough, the ladies of the evening came in, and Agnes was stunned. And the man behind the counter said, come on, Agnes, come on, Agnes, blow the candles out. And she finally blew them out, but she turned to Campolo and said, Mister, would it be okay if we didn't cut the cake? Nobody's ever baked me a cake. I've never had a birthday party. I'd like to take this home to my mama and show it to her. And so Agnes left that restaurant and Campolo, an American Baptist minister, was left in a restaurant filled with ladies of the evening. And he did what any minister does in that situation. He bowed his head and he said, let us pray. <laughs> and they prayed for Agnes and gave thanksgiving for her life. And then, after he finished the prayer, the man behind the counter said to Campolo, he said, you're some kind of minister. What kind of minister has a church like yours? It was one of those moments when you say, just the perfect thing. Campolo said, I'm a minister of a church that throws birthday parties for ladies of the evening at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Tony Campolo recognized who his neighbor was, a woman named Agnes, a lady of the evening in a greasy spoon at three o'clock in the morning in Honolulu. He knows that the social gospel is nothing less than the gospel itself. Jesus said to those who would follow in his way, when you've done it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters,
He has done it unto me. Campolo's mission trips to Haiti have helped countless people in that impoverished country feed themselves. No one in Alabama needs to get on a plane to go find our neighbor in need. A UN official visiting the Black Belt recently said that those five counties, Hale, Green, Moringo, Lowndes, I can't think of the other, Hale, did I get Hale, Green? Anyway, those five counties, this UN official visiting the Black Belt of Alabama said, had the most dire sewage disposal crisis of any place he has visited in the developed world. Nobody needs to get on a plane to go on a mission in Alabama. We have five of the poorest counties in the United States of America in this state. Back in the 90s, I was rector at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Selma, and my wife worked for a company called Carlisle Clothes that did clothes uh, trunk shows for women and so clothes to women and it turned out that my wife and her partner won a trip to New York to go see where all the profits of Carlisle Clothes finally resided. We went to the man's apartment that owned the, the business. They were pouring Moet Chandon White Star Champagne like it was lemonade big standing rib roast for being carved. The next day, we got to go see a fashion show, and then that night, we were given tickets to go see The Phantom of the Opera, a story about a man who stood in the shadows, a man who longed for love. And after the show was over, we piled out with 300 of our nearest and dearest friends out into the streets of New York, Everybody was trying to hail a cab, and of course, there weren't many cabs. And it was cold, and the wind was blowing. And so I told my wife to just follow the crowd of people that were headed, you know, back up towards our hotel, the Pierre, a luxury hotel. They put us up in nice digs. And as we walked along, all I could hear was the click-clack, click-clack of high heel shoes. I could smell the expensive perfume wafting through the New York air, but I heard the voice. The voice said, could somebody please spare five dollars so that I could have a meal? I didn't turn. I just held my coat closer to me and kept walking forward. When I got to the hotel and I got in those, in those, between those luxurious sheets in a very comfortable bed, I remembered, of course, who the voice was. The voice was our Lord, who said, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it unto me. I know that there are no simple answers to the immigration problems that we're beset with on the southern border. I agree with Vice President Pence when he says that the time for action is now. I know that the children who have been separated from their parents will suffer, have suffered irreparable damage. 
They are our neighbors who have the most pressing need for us to meet. They didn't choose to be immigrants. No child takes up their few possessions and walks 1,500 miles to go to a country that, they're, that is foreign to them. The lawyer in today's gospel lesson asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He wanted a legal description like one's neighbor is a person residing within one mile of the party of the first part who shares all cultural and religious beliefs with the party of the first part. If these conditions are met, then the party of the second part shall be considered neighbor to the person of the first part. Well, that's not what Jesus gave him. Jesus gave him a story. A story about a man who went down from Jerusalem toward Jericho, a dangerous path. And the man was robbed and beaten and stripped and left half dead. And a priest went by. And a Levite went by. They didn't want to be ritually defiled. But then a Samaritan. A Samaritan those half-breed Jews who had intermarried with people in the northern kingdom, the most hated of all people, a Samaritan, went to aid the man and poured wine on his wounds and took him on his animal to an inn and told the innkeeper, after giving him two denarii, told the innkeeper, if you spend any more, just let me know when I come back by and I'll take care of it. And Jesus asked the lawyer who wanted a legal description of who his neighbor was. Who was neighbor to the man? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Our neighbors are those who are in need of mercy. Not political posturing. We can find them in greasy spoons in Honolulu, on the streets of Manhattan and the streets of Port-au-Prince, Haiti. They're in need of septic tanks and proper disposal of sewage in the Black Belt of Alabama. They are stuffed in cages on our southern border with no room to lie down. John, writing to his church two millennia ago, asked the million dollar question. How does God's love abide in one who has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need and does not go to meet that need? Little children, let us love not in words or speech, but in truth and action. Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. He knew who his neighbor was. Anyone created in the image of God he considered neighbor. And he looked into a television camera inviting each and every one of them to be his neighbor. We should go and do likewise. The Holy Child was a refugee with his parents in Egypt once. He says to those who would be his followers, I was a stranger 
and you welcomed me.